wanted to make a special announcement today. Digit is setting up a brand new Patreon page. That's right. You can become a member of a fan of Bright Digit and the content that I've put together, whether it's the podcast, episodes, videos, articles, even some of the code that I've been working on, and get the inside scoop and early access to that. Um, you've been a great fan of this content, and it would be super uh, helpful to me. Uh, but also it gives you an opportunity to just get early access and ask me any questions about some of the content interviews. Maybe you can suggest some questions for future guests and get the inside track on what the recording schedule is. Uh, and you'll get access to the Slack as well. So we'll set up a fans Slack channel for you to join in. So take uh, just to think about it, if you can, you know, put some money together and support this channel and the content that I've put together. I'd really appreciate it. Um, and I just want to hear from you. Uh, if you've been a fan, I'd love for you to join our uh, membership as well. Thank you so much for watching and just being a fan of this content. It's really been an inspiration to me. That's all I had to say. That was our special announcement. Go ahead and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. Today, I'm joined by Via Fairchild. Via, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Before we get started, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm Via Fairchild, also known as Coding MILF on Twitter and Mastodon. <laughs> I, I do post semi-professionally. It just was a gimmicky username that worked, so we're rolling with it. <laughs> So yeah, we met in Chicago last year at Deep Dish. You're a prolific Twitter person and as far as like showing your coding skills and stuff. So I'm super happy to finally get you on. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today, diversity and accessibility. I'm in the middle of testing my app for accessibility features and stuff. What got you interested specifically in accessibility? The fact that I didn't know about it, and then one day somebody was talking about what were they comparing it to, UI testing, and how it can also be helpful for accessibility. I was like, what is that? And that's a very privileged statement <laughs> to say, I don't know what this is for accessibility. And that was at the very beginning of my apprenticeship at Big Nerd Ranch. And from there, I was always just asking, what is this? It just seemed like this nice to have elusive idea. Because it's not considered a core of development. It's as a junior developer in the growing sense and self-taught, I've never seen it brought up, which was really disheartening once I started learning more of really what it is. Right. And I went into a position where they tried to meet ADA standards and above because they're a nationwide news and internet outlet. So thankfully, they had some internal standards that they were bringing their current app to and then just their their brand new features they were starting it from the bottom they weren't like having to backtrack too much so that was nice to see and then just poking around on apps with my voiceover and dynamic text and realizing how many things are very broken I was like, well we need to whip this into shape the whole industry and got mm -hmm. a lot to learn yeah i'll give credit where credit's due apple usually tends to be pretty good about telling people about all the accessibility features and just letting people know about like that. Hey, accessibility is important. What do you think? So apparently like 
you started off like many of us not knowing what accessibility is. What are some maybe misnomers or mis mischaracterizations that people don't get about what accessibility is and what it means for mobile iOS developers like ourselves? In the sense of, I guess, maybe voiceover, it really is just another line or two of code more often than not. I think sometimes it can be overwhelming with thinking, wow, there's this whole world I'm unfamiliar with that I need to cater to, which we should hopefully be just doing that anyways. But there could maybe be, I had the idea that there's so much that I need to work into the app to make this usable for dynamic text and voiceover. And it it sometimes can get a bit complicated with the UI for dynamic text, but that's worth the effort, I think. And it's a lot of good learning. But specifically with voiceover, it's usually just adding on some accessibility traits, which is not that hard if you know what to look for. We just maybe need to spend some more time on researching that generally. So is most of your accessibility work in UIKit or SwiftUI? UIKit. I, okay. My last position was focused UIKit. And that was, it was between Zeb, Storyboard, and Programmatic. So it was a okay. mix of all of that. Storyboard. We'll allow that on this podcast. <laughs> what are some like 101 or what are some first things people should do when they're adding accessibility to their app? The nice thing is if you're working in Storyboard, you can see there's usually accessibility traits predetermined and marked active for you, like for a button. So it'll read such and such button and it'll notify the user that it's an interactive feature. So you can change that or you can at least make sure it's on. And let's see, what was the original question? I got excited to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like what what are some first things you should do if you're going to set up accessibility in your app when you're oh. using UIKit? Yes. Yeah, I would say just learn the traits and spend a few days with your phone on voiceover because it took okay. me a good minute to learn the touch gestures how to understand three-finger swipe or like the rotator selector. I actually don't know what the accessibility traits are. What should, what are they and what should I know about? Um, man, I'm trying to think of all the ones from what I worked with. The most common ones that I can recall are like headers. So you want a header to announce what is what is on the page, right? So you've got an article. So you've got article title. And maybe there's a button for, I don't know, maybe there's a video feature, right? So you've got okay. article title, video feature, and then a button to view more or something. And so it's like key points of what's on your app screen in front of you. So you can just click through really quick or tap through really. Right. And it's just giving you the main highlights of what's on the screen. And then you can go further from there. You can do more detailed descriptions and you can, okay. you have to be a bit more careful with like truncation. Like if there's a, an article summary, you have to make sure you're adding the right voiceover traits for that to make sure it's not reading the whole thing or giving a glimpse of what you actually want the user to see or hear. That's really interesting because I've been, so I've been doing a lot of Swift UI work lately in Mac OS for my app, Bushel, and yeah. like, SwiftUI actually is really good. They've done a lot with accessibility as far as like labels and things like that. And there's the accessibility audit app, which is amazing and super helpful. Is that different than their accessibility inspector? 
or sorry, accessibility inspector. That's accessibility. Oh, it is that. Yes. Yeah. And then with that app, you can do the audit and then you could also do the audit now with UI tests as well, which is amazing. But I noticed the accessibility header and I'm like looking at it and it's got like H1, H2, like all these HTML based tags. And I'm like wondering what the heck it means. And now that makes a lot more sense. It's like a way to organize your content in such a way for mm-hmm. voiceover, right? So, right. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. The priority for the user. Okay. That makes total sense. What are like, we went over voiceover. What other accessibility features should people know about besides what people use voiceover? One of the things that I thought was very painful, but also very educational <laughs> was like an onboarding screen. A lot of okay. onboarding series have really beautiful graphics. And once you turn on dynamic text, it breaks them terribly. And a lot of the time, if you don't have a scroll view in it, you can't get down to the continue or the submit button because it's so blown up. And so you're literally stuck in onboarding and then your app is quite unusable. That was a hard realization. Can you tell me me what apps are like that? that? Oh, the one I was working on, we had Spectrum News, which we fixed it. That that was my ticket. We fixed the onboarding. (laughs) But it's really you just need to put it in a scroll view, which you wouldn't think of because it's like default text. It's just fine. Right. And beautifully. But once you take it all the way to that top font accessibility, and it's just totally up, blown up because it needs to be, and it's stuck. The okay. constraints are just set to what they are. There's, And the, with that, too, you have to make sure, oftentimes, this is more of a design preference, but you want your image to scroll up with the text beneath it. Am mm-hmm. I making sense? <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Okay. It's yeah. hard to verbally... I'm like, I can see it in my head. You scroll and... <laughs> welcome welcome to the world of podcasting. Yeah, I keep forgetting about dynamic text. text. That's a really good one. The other one I think about is like one-handedness. If you only have one hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I'm an Apple Watch user, but there's always using the nose to touch your Apple Watch screen because your hands are full. There's always things like that that I think accessibility offers that we often don't think about. But yeah, that's a really good point. So we covered traits, covered headers, voiceover, dynamic type. What else when it comes to accessibility? Are there any like steps you would take if you're going to run an app and be like, okay, let's test this out. Mm -hmm. So you would enable things like voiceover, I guess. You'd play around with dynamic text. There's accessibility inspector running an audit and that. What other tools should people know about? I would put a gentle caution about accessibility inspector just because it is super out of date. They haven't sent out any updates for a while. So sometimes it can break. Okay. It might seem, especially if you're running in the simulator for voiceover perhaps or something, it might give you mixed feedback for what is actually functioning or not in code. So I would just suggest maybe doing the uh, the hard code like d- the device itself if you can okay. i'd love okay. for apple to c- to update that but it's okay right. <laughs> it makes sense uh, it's a back burner yeah what other tools then maybe besides those i think just or settings in in the iphone that you should be enabling to test it out i i would definitely make sure you know how to turn off voiceover before turning it on <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be in public yeah that'd be good yeah, I think honestly, 
just from my experience, there could be better ways and I'm totally open to hear them. But I think the best way is to just act as the user would if you're testing dynamic test text, just have it cranked up and test it on all spectrums of the font. It goes down to really itty bitty to big and you want to make sure that just for for UI reasons as well as accessibility that it's reasonable to navigate. But yeah, definitely spending time with your phone on voiceover and be prepared to be bothered with how much it reads out to you if the screen lights up. It always is, oh, it's 1400 and it's so many degrees outside. So I had to keep the dimmer off, just let it always stay on because it okay. would bother me every time I would go to test something. I'm like, oh, I can imagine. Imp- yes. impossible to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Have you done anything with accessibility and Swift UI? No, but I was looking at it and it seems like it's got a lot of things for free, which is really nice. Okay. One thing I've done recently is really, especially since I'm doing, what's great is if you're doing UI testing, it works with the accessibility stuff. So like the better your app is accessible, the better it works with UI tests. So for instance, accessibility identifiers, like Uh I just, I've been putting those like crazy all over my app. So that way I can start saying, click here, do this, do that. And then running the audits. We talked about that in the episode with uh, Paul, but just like now you can run a whole accessibility audit and like it'll tell you, oh, this color is not the right contrast or this button is too small, too big, things like that. And it's been amazing. And it's been great working with SwiftUI with that stuff. It's not, SwiftUI definitely has has gotten a lot better in the last year or so. And and it shows. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've taken a year off from it, so I should jump back into it more. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever done UI testing, but if you're doing anything with UI testing, if you have good U, like accessibility, then the UI tests are just so much easier as far as getting that working and saying, okay, click this button, do this, do that. And then, yeah. So anyway, just I can't pluck that enough. Yeah, it is. What else do you want to talk about when it comes to accessibility? Oh, just that maybe it would be wonderful if if we considered it a part of developer foundations, especially for self-taught. I think I think we have to go out of our way to learn about it and to suggest integrating it into yeah. work. And I think slowly that's shifting, but I'd like to see a little bit more energy around pushing that through to just the community. I think yeah. we have some role models in the industry mm-hmm. that are trying to push it more. And I think that's really helping sway the attention. Otherwise, I wouldn't be very aware of it myself. Right. Apple does do a good job. They always have a few talks yes. on it. But I like think... hearing your mom talk about it. Yes, mom, I know I need to clean my room, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, what it comes down to with all this stuff is money. Is If a business is willing to pay a developer to do it, mm-hmm. then. Yeah, it's going to become more important in the industry. And I do think it's shifting that way. It just has to because we have a wider audience than we used to when it comes to technology. And I think it's great. Like the ADA stuff that you have to implement with what you were talking about, as long as like the businesses are starting to shift that way, the technology is already there. Like you said, Apple or even like we can talk about web development, but even in web development, like there is a lot of 
the right attributes, whatever, or the right JavaScript code that you need to do to make your website accessible. So I think businesses are shifting in that direction. Yes. Yeah. It's quite interesting. One of the clients at Big Nerd Ranch, it was a very large client and they were backtracking to integrate accessibility to avoid being sued. <laughs> yep. Which I think is where a lot of apps are, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully industry, the industry giants will say, oh, look, we need to just start from the bottom with this, not backtracking at it. Yeah. And like we've said, it's like accessibility isn't just, you know, we always think of the most extreme cases of somebody's blind or somebody doesn't have the ability to use their hands or something like that or deaf or things like that. But I think there's a fine gradient too. It's like, we did that episode with Casey talking about the different kind of permanent, temporary, and situational issues, arm injury or ear infection, the small parts, not the big drastic parts that can be temporary. So that, yeah, it's good term, to keep that in mind. Yeah. The term universal, what's it called? It universal design. Universal design is the design of buildings or products or environments to make them accessible to people regardless of age, disability, or other factors addresses common barriers for participation and things that can be used by the maximum number of people possible. Yeah. It's good to know. The thing, actually, what I was thinking of was the curb cut effect, where um, it's like okay. the idea being like the curb cut or um, is not, it's originally for people in wheelchairs, but it's helpful to everyone. Like we said, like baby strollers, dollies, whatever it is. And I think that's another thing to think about is, Going back to my whole rant about UI testing is if you start implementing this stuff in accessibility, like there's benefits outside of just making it accessible to everyone. UI right. tests or just somebody is temporary, dis temporarily disabled, it becomes valuable to them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you need to like, I guess I'll ask you if you need to sell accessibility to your client or the company you work for, that's one way of doing it, right? Yeah, the general, the the universal diversity, the universal yeah. accessibility. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Cool. Anything else or should we talk about diversity more? I feel like it all goes together. It's all yeah, about yeah, yeah. love and acceptance, kumbaya. We need it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to, yeah, go ahead and expand upon that, I guess. What do you think, what do you mean it goes together? Okay, so I was just interviewing with a gentleman who, he's blind himself. He's a blind web developer. Okay. And he was talking about making a Greenfield app as an example for um, just for high quality accessibility. Um, so, so maybe that'll pan out eventually, but again, funding. <laughs> mm -hmm. So one thing that we were talking about, which I really appreciate, was the um, idea of having a diverse team to really drive home the accessibility of the app. Because when you have a diverse team, you get so many angles. And he was talking about wanting to get more blind developers on the team and more women, just people of underprivileged. And I think of like, all of these minorities that are very slowly finding their footing in the tech world. And there's a lot of wonderful organizations out there to support it. But it's really wild to see how much of an uphill battle it is. 
like when we were at that conference earlier this year, Deep Dish Swift point one 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 point oh. <laughs> Josh did a fantastic job with his lineup of speakers and diversity, and I just can't I just can't applaud him enough for that. But it was so interesting to be on stage and to see a sea of white gentlemen, <laughs> which is totally fine and normal and expected. But it's also like there was a group of gals and we all got excited and did a dinner. And it was, I think, a total of maybe 20 women or so. Okay. And about 300 gentlemen that were attending a conference. Yeah. Which was funny because we're celebrating that. We're excited about the growing number, right? Yeah, but yeah. the percentage comparison is just offbeat still. <laughs> yeah. Do you, what do you think are the barriers to why that is currently as low as it is. That's, I could talk about that for hours alone. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just went to a career day at my son's elementary school, and I think it really starts there. Just what we're teaching our children and conformities for how we think brains work for girls versus boys. And yeah. I think there are some fundamental things, like I'm watching my son go through some difficulties in school. And I'm like, okay, I think this might just be because of how he was DNA created, right? But I think at the same time, there was a little girl who came up after one of my sessions and she was like, your job is so cool. I want to be like you. And she's wearing cute pink frilly stuff. And yeah. I, it was so heartwarming, but it's also, man, I hope that she'll be, I hope that there will be people to support that further mm -hmm. i'm coming from a background of cosmetics ironically so very okay. female <laughs> can i ask career. how did you go from cosmetics to opening up xcode i was tired of being poor to be frank okay that's okay i'm just gonna keep probing it, if that's okay but why mobile development ios like why specifically <laughs> ios development that's really what fell into my lap i, I was very okay. unaware of the world of tech and when I talked to a friend of mine, he was like, this is what I do. I'll mentor you. Let's do it and put all my eggs in one basket. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting. I'm just trying to go backwards to probe the question about why is, were you like, were you ever interested in technology or development before? I think in ways that cosmetic. don't directly compare. Okay. I have a unfinished degree in event planning. Okay. And small business and putting the pieces together of a bigger project, that's something that was really satisfying to me. I think in an indirect way, it compares to the joys I find in development because okay. I can find those more detailed, those detailed things that need attention and pull it into the bigger project. So I don't think it, there's never really been any point in my life where I'm like, computers are so fantastic. I want to spend my life working on them until recently. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been a big adjustment in that sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. It's just interesting to me, people's stories and where, where they go, where they're going. Obviously, there's a lot of money in software development. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. There's just demand. Regardless of, there's just, there's always a demand out there for that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think part of it is, I think it's going to get better. I, I don't, I think the trajectory is going to continue to go up, but it's, it's your social circle, right? If your social mm -hmm. circle get, brings you awareness of it yes. and things like that, I think that's going to be super helpful. Yeah. 
as a dad, it lights my heart anytime my second grader says she's interested in what I'm working on. I'm just like, yes, yeah, please. Like, I could go on this all day and then they get bored because they're sick of dad talking about it. But still, it, like, it does light my heart whenever they're interested in it. But yeah, I totally get it. What do you, what do you see as ways of encouraging your kids and maybe your daughter specifically to pursue software development? I think now, generally, the world of tech has clued in to needing to level out a bit. So there's some really great tools for children, like Scratch Playgrounds is growing yep. more and more. I keep hearing about this computer I'm thinking about getting for my son. Cano computer? Okay. It's basically children's version where you build the computer and then you can code on it, from what I've understood. That sounds really cool. Oh, Canna with a K. All right, we'll yes. put that in the notes. Yeah. That's very cool. Yes. Okay. And just the idea that, you know, even down to like gaming is gender equality. <laughs> I think since the start of the industry, really early 90s, it's been very boy focused, except for maybe yeah. Tamagotchis. <laughs> so it's good to see that slowly leveling out. And I think that's really where it's going to continue to grow as ground up. But there's a lot of support for adult women as well. And I think just in hiring process, there's a lot that can be grown to make that available. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, what, do you have any links or recommendation, recommended resources for folks like yourself as far as helping women in the industry? Yeah, there's a couple of them I'll send your way for the show notes. Off the top of my head, Underdog Devs with Rick Walter, I think is how his last name said. He focuses on underprivileged and formerly incarcerated. Yep. There's a lot of people that can fit into that that world, which yep. it can be life-changing if you fit in there. He's got an amazing thing going. I'm in a Slack channel called Women in Tech or Women Who Code. And there's a lot of resources there that I'll send your way as well. But there, if you look for it, you'll find it. Even in um, my local iOS developer Slack community, there's a channel for women. And I think I'm about the only one. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'll see a, a female and I, I almost think I startle them. I'm like, oh, my God, a woman. And they're like, oh, what's your name? <laughs> but I just get so excited. I'm like, female, yay. So. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Via, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm glad to have a chat with you. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you online? I spend most of my time on uh, Twitter X still. <laughs> yeah. I do have a Mastodon account that I'm still getting used to. Otherwise, you can reach out to me on an email or LinkedIn. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been great. People Wonderful. can find me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it at Leo G. Dion, Leo G. Dion at C.IM on Mastodon. You can also find me on LinkedIn. We also have just set up a Patreon page. So if you love episodes like this, I would love your support. We'll have a link to that in the show notes for Bright Digit. Companies Bright Digit. Please also take some time and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube or post a review on your podcast player if you really like this episode. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to everybody later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.